Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, Today, we are in the middle of a series called Rooms to Grow, Rooms to Grow. How many of you can look at your life and still see that there is room for growth? Uh, This has been a helpful series for us. We're unpacking some thoughts about family, and we're using the different rooms of the house to teach and instruct us. Um, If you were here when we kicked it off two weeks ago, we talked about the living room. Uh, We talked about the presence of God creating that culture within your home. Last week, how many of you were here last week for us to talk about the kitchen? Did anybody get hungry last week in that message? Yeah, that was so wrong. That was so wrong for me to do that. Today, in honor of all the dads, we're going to go to the garage. The garage is what we're stepping into today, and I had not seen this little look-in until this morning. They wanted to do a big reveal, and let's see what our creative team put together. Yeah, in the garage, you got certain pieces of equipment. I'm a, I'm a Cardinal fan. I'm from the Midwest, St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, wait, there, we have some fellow Cardinal fans? Yes. Come on, meet me right after service. We're going to pray because they're in trouble. They need a lot of help. Uh, yeah, the one accord poster right there. J- just so you know, I have to give an update to the church. I am no longer in one accord. Uh, the, the Honda, I sent the Honda to heaven. Come on, somebody. She was good to me for 14 years. I said, Lord, maybe she'll be good to you in heaven. Uh, that's why, so in, in honor of, of, of the Honda, we got the little poster there. And then right next to that, I can't believe those guys did that. Um, I, I played basketball at Louisiana College in the, in the early 90s, and we played against Southern University my junior year, okay? So travel back down to Baton Rouge. We played in the F.G. Clark Activity Center. And as you can see, that's the, the front page of the advocate in, in the sports section. My mom saw that article, and she She was so excited. She bought like 20 newspapers, cut out that article, laminated it, and sent it to all her friends. Called me the next day and said, baby, did you know you're on the front page of the sports section? I said, mom, did you read the article? (laughs) Southern Jaguars rout Louisiana College by like 40 points. But baby, that's your picture. I'm like, mama, that guy's dunking on me. She's like, I don't care. That's my baby. (laughs) Oh, man. The garage. Fellas, we're going into our favorite room of the house. No man cave, no problem. Come on, somebody. Some of you are not as excited as I am. (laughs) Some are like, Pastor, what are you wearing? (laughs) In case you didn't know, this is my name. (laughs) It's also to remind myself. And no, I do not work at a garage. In fact, if you pull up at a body shop and you see me walk out in this outfit, get back in your car and drive somewhere else. Because if I'm working on it, if it ain't broke, it will get broken, all right? (laughs) You know, the garage is where, as dads, we keep our toys, right? It's where we keep our vehicles, our mowers, our barbecue pits. It's where we keep our weights. How many of you, you have so much stuff in your garage, you can't even park your car in it? 
Oh yeah, that, that's the truth. It's a place where it, it just, we, we collect things. It's a, it's a place where we store things that we don't know what to do with. How many of you right now, just this conversation reminds you, you need to clean out your garage? Yeah, you ever tried to, to clean it out? You start finding things you never knew were there? And like, oh kids, look, this is the bowling trophy that I won in 1982. <laughs> Or, you know, in my case, I have animals in my garage. I think these animals deserve space in the house, but my wife does not agree. Come on, anybody, anybody feeling my pain right now? Baby, they don't match the decor. Well, sure they do. Those horns are perfect for this room. The garage, uh, it's, it's where we learn. Uh, the garage is where we tinker. Come on, somebody say tinker. I like that word. I don't know what it means because I don't do it. <laughs> I don't know anything about cars, okay? In fact, if, you, if you're ever driving down the road in Baton Rouge and you see me on the side of the road with my hood popped up and me kind of looking in there, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just doing that because I want somebody to feel sorry for me and pull over and help a brother, all right? I know nothing when it comes to vehicles or building things or working, but, but the garage symbolizes where we learn stuff and we pass things from one generation to the next. There's a great verse that Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, and I think this is great. This is so appropriate for us as we launch into this message on Father's Day. The apostle Paul writes this to the church in Corinth and he says this in verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, Paul is talking about spiritual fathering. He's talking about a relationship that he had with sons and daughters in the Lord. How many of you know there's a difference between an instructor and a father? You know, an instructor will give you information, but a father gives you impartation. Are you with me today? Uh, an instructor will tell you where to go, but a father will lead you on how to get there. Instructors may give you a skill, but fathers prepare you for life. And so I just want to give a shout out to all the dads and say thank you for what you've invested into us. We celebrate you. We honor you. You know, Paul said you have 10,000 instructors, yet you have not many fathers. And, and I think this, even in this information age that we live in today with social media, and man, you can download, you know, all different kinds of messages and sermons and podcasts. And there's some great preachers and teachers out there. Paul talks about the spiritual fathering that takes place in a church with family. And I, I want to say this, thank you for opening up your heart to me and allowing me to be a spiritual father to many of you, to invest in you not only God's word, but a piece of my own soul. How many of you know relationship makes a difference? Now, I remember growing up as a kid and, and you know, just hearing a lot of things and, and I would always run it by my dad. My dad was the filter. Hey, dad, I heard this. What do you think? And spiritual fathers give us more than just instruction, but they give us a piece of their own soul. And so, you know, before we really dive into this message, I, I do want to say this. I know Father's Day can be painful for many people. I know today is a day of great joy and celebration as we honor dads, uh, but maybe some of you, this is a difficult day. Maybe this is your first Father's Day without your dad. Um, maybe you're a father here and you've lost a child. 
uh, and this is your first Father's Day and, and there's something empty and missing on the inside of you. Maybe you, you're struggling to become a dad. It, it's a dream in your heart, but you're battling infertility. You wanna build your family and you're believing for the future. Or maybe you reflect on your upbringing as a child. Maybe your dad was absent. He just wasn't a part of your life. Maybe he was abusive. Um, maybe he was just passive. I know there are all different kinds of thoughts and feelings and emotions as it relates to Father's Day. I do believe we live in a generation that is orphaned in spirit. There are so many. Every, I want you to hear this. Every soul seeks a father. Every human heart has a longing for a dad. And so if today is difficult for you, I acknowledge that. And we make room for that here at HPC. Let me encourage you with this, that we have a God who wants us to refer to him as Father. Jesus, consider this, 189 times in the Gospels, Jesus referred to God as Father. Now here's the good news. God is not the reflection of your earthly dad. He's the perfection of your earthly dad. God is everything you wanted your dad to be and so much more. And so if today is painful, I want to encourage you, turn your eyes toward your heavenly father. He can heal you everywhere you hurt. He can fill in the emptiness and the gaps in your soul. And thank you for leaning into this moment and being a part of this spiritual family. I believe this is a house that's filled with some great dads. In fact, what we did is we asked your children to speak to us about you. Here's what your kids said about you and some of their favorite things that they learned from their dad. Check this out. The funniest thing that he taught me was back when I was young and as I grew older, if you stop believing in Santa Claus, you stop receiving. So until 2006, I believed. That's when I was 16, he said, hey, today we're gonna go get a car. And we're going down airline and we pull into the BMW dealership. He makes this big loop and he's like, you like that car, do you like that color? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he pulls right back out on airline. And I was like, what are we doing? He said, son, it never hurts to dream. My dad's tells me silly jokes. He always just pulls his face like a fish. <laughs> My dad's younger brother, he's maybe upper 20s, close to 30, and he did something, he got in trouble, and my dad actually spanked him. And so that funny situation taught me that I can get as old as I want again, and I better keep keep my head on straight. <laughs> oh, and also something funny that my dad taught me is a leg fart. <laughs> One time I was at the beach and and trying to swim without the um, life jacket that, and then he said, put your um, life jacket on and it helped. My dad taught me how to use my hands. He taught me how to work smarter and not harder. Some of my best memories are, you know, him teaching me how to hunt, him teaching me how to fish. It didn't matter what was in season, man, deer, squirrel, rabbits. It didn't matter what we were going after. You know, the best thing was always just being able to spend time with him. He always told me to, to, to think from my shoulder up. 
Uh, I wish I would have took that advice because my back tells me today that I should have listened a little better. I think something useful that he's taught me is that uh, nobody is perfect, including myself. So don't just love everybody, but also learn to love yourself too. On the business, he taught me to be nice to my brother um, that has autism and my sister. He taught me how to be a man of integrity. He taught me how to be true to my word and my word would be true to me. Probably one of the best life lessons that my dad has taught me is that life is about others. You know, whenever I was growing up, we had a fourth bedroom in our house and it was like a revolving door. We always had somebody staying with us. Somebody was always in that room that my dad was trying to help get back on their feet. Probably the most important life lesson I learned from my dad was respect. When I was young, and still to this day, I use the word Mr., Mrs., thank you, no thank you. One of the best things that my dad has taught me, has just been um, that at the end of the day, your wife needs to be your best friend. One, one of the important life lessons I've learned from, from my dad is to not give up. Keep trying, keep, uh, keep believing, keep trusting God. I had a great dad, a great father. I thank God for him. You know what my dad is? A hunk of a man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, can you put your hands together? <laughs> Woo. Let's get a little dusty in here. Wow, that's emotional. <laughs> we love our dads. Dads, we need you. you. You shape us. You impact us. Your words, your, your example, your, your love. I mean, my goodness. I, I feel like the things that I enjoy in life are because of the sacrifices that my dad's made. And, uh, and so today, what I wanted to do, and today's going to be super personal for me. And it, it may be different than what you're used to. I wanted to teach this kind of in a reflective way. I, I wanted to talk to you about four men that have impacted my life and the lessons that I've learned from them, okay? Would you give me a little latitude to do something different today? And, and, and here's why I think this is important. Because, you know, we live life moving forward, but we understand life looking back. Forward is the word that God gave us as a church this year. Hey, we're moving forward. You know, you're required to step into your future and life comes at you pretty quickly. I'm not saying retreat. We live life moving forward, but we understand life looking back. How many of you reflecting on your upbringing, you've learned some things from your experience? Didn't know it at the time, but now you, when you reflect, you're, you're thankful for. You begin to understand some things. And so these are four men, and again, this is personal for me, but I think it can apply. There are principles that can apply, not to just dads, but to every person here today. And I want to start off this message by talking about my dad and the lesson that I learned from my father was unconditional love. My dad, now he wasn't perfect, but he loved me unconditionally. There was no boundary to it. It was not something that I could earn it wasn't something that I deserved. I could never forfeit his love. He loved me with a no matter what kind of love. Can I have an amen? 
How many of you know that that's a different kind of love? You know, that, that's, that's a love this world doesn't understand. Sometimes there's so many conditions and expectations. Well, I'll love you if, you know, but, but my dad, he never made me jump through any hoops to earn his approval. He, he would say things like, son, I love you and there ain't nothing you can do about it. And at first I was like, wait a second, I want to do something about it. But then I realized I'm just at his mercy. He loves me in spite of myself. You know, my dad, he, we had this routine growing up as kids, and it followed me even into high school. Do you know my senior year in high school, my dad would still come into my room every night. He would kiss me on the forehead. He would love me, and he would pray for me. I'm a senior, okay, I'm 17, 18 years old, and dad's coming into my room. And he said this all the time. I remember him saying, son, don't tell your sisters this, but of all three of you kids, you're my favorite. (laughs) And I can remember thinking, you know what? I knew it. I just, I I was right. I knew it. I knew there was something special. Look, your secret is safe with me, dad. I promise. But man, we got, and I just knew I was number one in my dad's heart. And then he would leave my room, go down the hallway, go to my sister's room. And he'd say, listen, don't tell your brother. Don't tell your other sister. But of all three kids, you're my favorite. And you know, we, we knew dad did this, but each one of us felt number one in our dad's eyes. I want to tell you this, parents, when you love your kids unconditionally, it will give them a fuel to accomplish things that you didn't even dream possible. When you have unconditional love, it addresses certain things in your life. All of your fears, all of your insecurity. You don't worry about what other people think when you know you are unconditionally loved by your father. Can I have a good amen? Bible says it this way in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. The, the scripture says, see. Come on, somebody say see. God's saying, do you see it? Do you see it? Love's not just something you hear. It's not just something you say, but it's something you see. He says, see what an incredible quality of love the Father has given. He's shown and bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God, exclamation point. And so we are, exclamation point. How many of you, when you send a text message and you're really excited about it, you'll put a few exclamation points behind it? Oh yeah, if this were a text message today, it would not only have exclamation points, but it would have some emojis. Come on. There's a whole lot of love in this verse that you get to be called the children of God because the Lord himself has demonstrated great love for you. My dad taught me unconditional love. Now let me say this. That unconditional, don't, don't confuse these two things. That unconditional love doesn't mean I agree with everything you do. Can we talk about that for just a minute? Because I think culture is demanding that we agree with everything. Well, if you don't agree, then you don't love me. Can I tell you, my dad didn't agree with all of my behavior. But I never doubted his love for me. My dad was a school teacher. We had in my house what was called the board of education. Literally, it was three feet long. And it had a rubber handle. He could grip that thing. And it had a a little red schoolhouse. And it literally said, Board of Education. And there were moments when that Board of Education met my seat of learning. Come on, somebody. I love you, but I don't agree with what you're doing right now. Come on. How many know sometimes love will discipline? 
Love will correct because we love our kids. We correct our kids. And you know what? I felt unconditional love even when I didn't always behave right. And I remember in the late 80s, my dad moved our family to Baton Rouge. I'm from Missouri. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from a little farming community called Fredericktown. But he cashed in his 401k and he moved our family to Baton Rouge in the 80s because revival was breaking out down here. And my dad, he sacrificed his career so that his kids could experience the tangible presence of God. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost right here in Baton Rouge. And you know, shortly after, I mean, four or five years into it, I started having problems at the church, and so the church kind of split up. My parents actually walked through a divorce themselves. And looking back at it, my dad said, son, maybe I made a mistake. Moving our family to Baton Rouge, he said, I felt like I failed. I said, dad, listen, God knew I had to get to Baton Rouge. You know, my sisters don't live here. My parents don't live here. I'm the only one left. Can I tell you this? Fellas, what you think is failure can actually be the fertilizer to somebody else's success. Just, just because you feel like you've missed the mark, maybe it didn't turn out like you thought you, like it would, God honors your sacrifice. I've told you this before, but if you're succeeding without suffering, somebody else already did. If you're suffering without succeeding, somebody else will. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Dads, thank you for your unconditional love and the sacrifice that you've made for us as kids. The second, the second guy I want to talk to, to you about, the, the second most impactful person in my life is my father-in-law. It's Rachel's dad. And Rachel's dad is the most generous guy I have ever met. In fact, he was in our eight o'clock service and I probably made him feel uncomfortable, but I wanted him to know what he has touched my life with. He is so giving. This is the kind of guy, how many of you know somebody that'll give the shirt off their back? They're just givers. That's just the way he is. Can I tell you something about generosity? It has little to do with money. Generosity is a spirit. Generosity will influence how you spend your time, your talent, your treasure, and your touch. Can I have a good amen? generosity is rooted in who God is, but God is good. And because he's good, he's a giver. He blesses us. Uh, my my father-in-law, I remember when Rachel and I first started dating, man, he, <clears throat> we'd go out to dinner. He'd pay for our meal. We first got married. He would pay for our meal. We started having kids. Every time we're out to dinner, he's trying to pick up the ticket. And I was thinking, you know, Lord, if you ever bless me with resource, I'll pay it forward. I saw what God was doing in his life and how generous he was. And I said, God, I want that for myself. My, my father-in-law, he'd call me some days and be like, son, I need to borrow your vehicle. I need to borrow your car. So he'd take the car. He'd say, yeah, for sure. In fact, it was a car that he, he helped me to purchase, okay? It was partly his. So if he's asking for it, man, I don't, it's yours, you know? He'd, but he'd always bring it back in better condition than how he got it. He'd always bring it back with a full tank of gas. Come on, how many of you like that? You using my car? Bring it back full. He'd bring it back with the tank full. 
And then he'd say, you know what? I noticed that you, you, your ex- inspection sticker expired, so I got you a new inspection, inspection sticker. And then I heard, you know, a little knocking noise underneath the hood, so I checked that out. I, I replaced your timing belt. And then I noticed that your tires, you know, your tires are getting a little bald, so I, I replaced your tires, rotated them. You know, now I, I'm calling up my father-in-law saying, hey, Papa, do you need to borrow my vehicle for anything? Because I know when I get it back, it's going to be better than how it left me. And that's just the, the, the kingdom principle with generosity. When you set your heart to give, what you get back in return is even greater than what you gave away. Can I have a better amen? My, my, my father-in-law is the kind of guy that when you get with him and all of his brothers, whether it's a family reunion, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, they're going to give you something. He's going to give you a knife. He's going to give you a gun. It's like the gun and knife show. Here, boy, son, check this out. You like that? It's yours. I mean, it, 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 it's just amazing. And he worked at Exxon for 37 years. He worked in a plant for 37 years. And, and when the stock market crashed back in like 2008, 2009, he lost a lot of resource because the Exxon stock had just imploded. But you know what? He never stopped giving. He's a giver. The Bible says in Isaiah 32, verse 8, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Come on, isn't that a great verse? Generous people make plans to do what is generous and then they stand firm in their generosity. You know what I've discovered? If God tells you to give something away and you can't give it away, You don't own it, it owns you. Some people say, well, you know, pastor, I'd I'd be more generous if I had more. If I ever won the lottery, man, I'd be so generous. I'm thinking, wait a second. If you can't be generous with 50 bucks, God's not going to give you 50 million. Come on. How many of you know money doesn't change a person? Money simply reveals who the person already was. See, generosity has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with your heart. Aren't you glad that God was generous to us? Don't you serve a generous father? Well, he said, Mike, how do I know he's so generous? He gave us Jesus. Is there anything better God could have given? Is there anything he could have done to improve upon the gift of Jesus? No, he gave us his first. He gave us his best. And he gave sacrificially. Dads, thank you for being men who give. You teach us that true living is not what we receive, but what we release. Uh, I believe God has modeled and multiplied that spirit in me because of my father-in-law. The third third guy that has, has touched my life in a profound way. Number three, Pastor Dino Rizzo. Pastor Dino, many of you don't know this, some of you do. Pastor Dino is the founding pastor of this church. Pastor Dino was my youth pastor when I was 13 years old. I've known him for most of my life. So much of what you see in me is a result of what's been invested by him. And Pastor Dino taught me this lesson. It's important to give somebody a chance. Pastor Dino gave me 
a chance. I told you about us moving from Missouri to Baton Rouge, and Dino was my youth pastor at the time, and then I graduated high school. I went off to college. I played basketball in college, and I have a degree in computer science, but about my junior year of college, I began to feel this, 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 this shift in my spirit. I, I didn't want to be behind a computer all day. I didn't feel like that's what my calling was. That wasn't where my passion was. I love God. I love people. I just love to serve, and so I called the only pastor that I trusted, Pastor Dino. I said, hey, Dino, I, here's where I met. What do I need to do? He said, well, you know what? We're starting a church. This is early 90s. We're starting a church in South Baton Rouge, a healing place for a hurting world. And when he said that, I just felt peace come over me. He said, if you feel God has called you to ministry, I want you with me. And he gave me a chance. I've never been to Bible college. I've never been to seminary. I don't have any formal ministry training whatsoever. We've got a staff of educated, qualified, I mean just brilliant people. I have nothing, but this guy saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And you know what, dads? When you, when you believe in your sons and daughters, when you, and, and he, Dina would say this too. I think it's the four most powerful words in the English language. When you say, I believe in you. Watch what it does in the hearts of your family. Watch a person transform right before your very eyes. And believe me, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. When Pastor Dino saw me, he saw a lot of potential. But can I tell you, that potential was attached to a whole lot of problems too. I made, I've made mistakes in ministry. Man, I, I, I didn't get it right a whole lot. In fact, I remember in the early days, Pastor Dino sent me to Chicago to first time I'd ever flown on a plane. I'd never been on an airplane. Flew me to Chicago to, to check out what a church was doing in their student ministry. I was a youth pastor at the time. And he's like, I want you to go see what they do and learn and, and see what God shows you. And so this was a church that had 4,000 kids in the youth group. 4,000. And they're in Chicago, okay? And they're rocking. They were doing ministry like I'd never seen before. And they had these seeker services, entire services that were designed for a lost teenager. So they did some creative elements that I'd never seen. And I came back, I said, Dino, this is it. Man, if we do this, revival's gonna break out. We need to do it just like they did it. Now keep in mind, that was Chicago. That was 4,000 kids. They're reaching lost people. We had a youth group in Baton Rouge with 20 kids. And, and they were all Christian kids. And it was terrible. Oh, it failed miserably. I remember being in college ministry. I was the, the college pastor for about four or five years. We did a thing called late night. And we had service for college kids late at night. It was every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. How many of you that's past your bedtime already? I see somebody yawning right now. <laughs> Nine o'clock on a Wednesday night, and do you know we had 700 college students that would show up for this? And I remember when I was talking to Johnny Green, I said, Johnny, look, I, I, man, I think we need to change our service time and change our service day. I went to Pastor Dino, I said, Dino, look, we need to move it from Wednesday night at 9 p.m. I'm telling you, if we, if we put it on a Saturday night and we did it at seven o'clock, it would explode explode. Revival's coming Saturday night at 7. So guess what? We took that Wednesday night, 9 p.m., moved it to Saturday at 7 p.m., and I grew that college ministry from 700 to 200. I mean, they, they stayed away by the thousands. Come on, somebody. What happens in Saturday night, uh, Baton Rouge? LSU football. 
Yeah, bad idea. Guess what? Pastor Dino knew I'm going to give you room to fail and an opportunity to grow. Come on, somebody. Take chances on people. They're not always going to get it right. But guess what? When they mess up, they're going to learn from their mistakes. How many of you have somebody in your life that took a chance on you? Somebody that believed in you. Somebody that saw potential in you when you didn't even see it in yourself. Can I tell you this? I owe it to the call of God on my life and what Pastor Dino did for me to take a chance on somebody else. My dad taught me unconditional love. My father-in-law, he taught me generosity. Pastor Dino, he took a chance on me. And I want to finish this. The last, uh, the, the last man that has shaped my life, Brother Jim Rents. Jim Rents. And Jim Rents has been one of the spiritual fathers of this church for a long time. He recently went to be with the Lord. But Brother Rents taught me a towel not a title. A towel, not a title. When I was 13 years old, I heard Brother Rents preach this message. In fact, I checked one of my old Bibles just recently, and I still have the notes from March of 1990 in my Bible when he preached, and it's the first time I'd ever heard this. He, the, 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 his message was entitled this, Do You Want a Title or a Towel? Most men are chasing titles, and Jesus is handing out towels. And he talked about John 13, how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And when I heard that message then, and I saw Brother Rince's life for decades, he lived not for himself, but he lived to serve others. In fact, that message confronted the selfishness in my own soul. You know, when you live for yourself, your world is so small. But when you commit to serve others, your world enlarges. Brother Rents, in the final season of his ministry before he went to be with the Lord, he was so active at Angola. Those guys at Angola just loved him and saw him as a spiritual father. Many of those men behind bars didn't grow up with a dad. But here come old Brother Rents, just to love on him, be with him, spend time with them, encourage them. These guys that are former drug addicts and gangbangers and men that have been involved in dark and difficult things, they found the Lord through the service of Brother Rents and God radically transformed their lives. And now these men are more qualified to preach and teach the gospel than I am. These guys have seminary degrees. They're former gang leaders, now behind prison doors, behind those bars. They are pastors. They are inmate pastors that are teaching and preaching and leading, all because somebody like a brother Rents would invest in them. And do you know when he passed away, those inmates loved Jim Rents so much, they handcrafted and made his casket. We conducted his funeral right here in this building in a beautiful casket that was made by the men at Angola. Before he passed away, he told me, he said, he said, Brother Rince told me, he said, Pastor, he said, I want you to know these, these men at Angola, they, Billy Graham passed away, they made his casket. And I'm hoping one day they'll make mine. And I said, well, Brother Rince, of course they will. He said, oh, no, 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 you got to be somebody. You got to be important in order for those guys to make you a casket. Guess what? I'm hoping one day they'll make my casket. Because of an example 
from a spiritual father who said, entitled to nothing, but willing to do anything. Dads, and, and again, maybe you didn't have the perfect father growing up, but God puts people in your life. He puts coaches, teachers, mentors, pastors, uncles, brothers. Maybe you have an amazing dad. We wouldn't be who we are today without their investment in our lives. Amen. You receive that today. Come on, can you clap your hands if you believe that? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.